Hey parents, Tim Wright here along with Dr. Michael Gurian for episode number 105 of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. Last week in our podcast, we celebrated our second anniversary, so that means today we officially start year number three. And we are doing so with a great question from you, one of our listeners, and we're looking forward to that question here in just a moment. And uh, before we dive into the question, though, a couple <laughs> things that we want you to know about. Uh, first of all, you go to wonderofparenting.com. That's wonderofparenting.com. And that's where you can submit your questions. And uh, if you've got a question for us, we will put it in the queue and we will get to it as soon as we can in our podcast schedule. And also, we are doing a, a, a live event, a Zoom event on October 1st called Helping Boys Thrive. And uh, Michael, do you want to fill us in on what uh, people can expect from that? Yeah, we'll have uh, myself, yourself, uh, Marion Hill, and Eva Dwight, uh, who are are all specialists. And if people go to, wait, excuse me one sec. (coughs) I swallowed water down the wrong pipe. Uh, If people go to helpingboysthrive.org and you click the Telesummit, uh, it's all right there. You can meet the speakers there. Really inexpensive. Lasts all day, October 1st live, and and then six more days. So a total of a week, it'll be available for registrants. So you can watch and rewatch uh, the recorded uh, talks. So incredible value. It's only like $30 for an individual, $25 for groups per person. And you can register right there on the page. So check it out, helpingboysthrive.org, Telesummit, and, and then uh, registrations at the bottom of the page. And if you go to our Facebook page, Wonder of Parenting Facebook page, uh, every once in a while I post a link to the event as well. And uh, Michael and I just did a uh, an eight-minute video chat together about it. We're going to post that a little bit later. So there are all kinds of ways to learn more, but helpingboysthrive.org is the place to go, helpingboysthrive.org. Now, we do have a question today. And uh, we've said this over and over again, most of the questions we get have to do with boys, but we've got one about girls this week and one next week as well. And uh, we have talked about the issue of sleep before, but this takes it in a little bit different direction. So I'm going to read you the question and uh, and then we'll have a chance to chat about it. Uh, I have a seven-year-old middle daughter who has a fascinating and brilliant mind. She is always going a million miles an hour mentally and physically. She is very passionate, caring, and most of the time, a great sibling to her older brother and younger sister. Our problem is when it comes to bedtime. She has such a hard time winding down and many nights completely loses it while trying to go to bed. I can see her mind racing as she tries to calm herself down, but she gets very frustrated as she can't seem to turn off her brain. We start the bed process around 8 p.m., but many times she won't fall asleep until 10, 11 at night. I'm worried about her getting enough sleep and that affecting her ability to grow as a little stud muffin into a big stud muffin. Uh, any ideas on how to get her to turn that big, beautiful brain off so she can sleep? I could add tons but uh, more, but it seems long enough for the question. But a couple notes for reference. She often sleepwalks. She often comes into our room and sleeps in our bed about 50% of the time. They take her back to her room. Uh, She usually wakes up with the other kids in the morning around 7 to 8 a.m., in spite of the fact that falling asleep late at night. She eats a healthy diet and has little to no screen time at all. Uh, And, of course, that's different now because uh, of homeschooling and everything is online. Um, 
So, Michael, um, first of all, how exciting to have such a, a brilliant little girl in the house mm. and how frustrating it's got to be for her and her family to try to get this important part of her life under control. Yeah, yeah, I feel I feel for the, you folks, for these folks. Um, uh, so should I go kind of go into a few things? Yeah, why don't you it? just, why don't you just, what's your initial response to that, some thoughts that you have, and then we'll we'll go a little deeper as we always do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to wait on the practical strategies I want to suggest, but I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, and I want to first do some analysis of this and maybe point in some directions. Uh, the, the, the winding down, this, this may become more of an issue with homeschooling because the assignments are online and the online. So uh, one interesting thing for these folks to think about as they assess is to, you know, become citizen scientists of this and see if this has gotten worse since the COVID classroom, whenever it would start in this person's area, probably in April, um, you know, then April all the way through to June, if this has gotten worse. If so, then some of it will have, <clears throat> will have, not all of it will, but some will have to do with this increased screen time. And the screen time probably needs to be ended, you know, more like at dinner time uh, and no screens, maybe five or later. So that's just a little asterisk, uh, depending on what they what they talk about and realize there. Uh, and, but in general, this this child still had a sleep issue before uh, the COVID classroom. So um, what's happening in her brain is that she's she's ruminating, she's processing, and this this mom is very wise and sees this, can see her brain processing. So it's creating these processing loops, and it may have a whole bunch of stuff it's trying to process. And we've talked about how the female brain, one of the differences between female brain and male brain is female brains used to up, up to 10 times more white matter activity. So they're moving white matters in the myelin and it moves signaling all around the brain all the time and getting data from all sorts of different parts of the brain. And um, male brain tends to use more gray matter activity. So it focuses its, its processing in certain splotches in the brain. And, um, uh, so this girl, you know, obviously already at a baseline, a lot of white matter activity, a lot of processing of these things that happen during the day, emotional relationships with siblings, with parents, with her friends, you know, all this stuff is being processed. And then some loops get formed. So as her brain <clears throat> thinks about it and, and, and isolates three or four things she's going to really process, she forms loops in the brain between an emotion center in the brain and a thinking center. And then, then <clears throat> this data is going back and forth between these two centers. So it gets looped. And those two things I think are what are going on. And then um, it's time for her to go to bed, but she's processing a lot. And she may also have one thing to look at here is she may have what Daniel Amen calls a ring of fire ADD. Uh, Daniel Amen is amenclinics.com. He's written, I think 35 books, um, a neuroscientist, neuropsychiatrist, used brain scans, and he's isolated eight different kinds of ADD, and it's possible she has a ring of fire. And so just in parentheses, he wrote a book called Healing ADD, and he lists these in that. Uh, so these parents might enjoy that to try to see, huh, does she have ADD? Could it be that kind? And that would be another piece of data. Um, now, in terms of the, I'm going to just say a few more things, and I'm going to stop, and then I'll do the practical stuff after. But a few more things on, the, on their question. If this child is falling asleep by, say, 10 and is waking up at, say, 8, uh, that's, you know, that's still that's still 10 hours sleep. 
So I know, I know this parent was somewhat worried about that, uh, but that's still 10 hours sleep. And for a seven year old, that's great. If the child just about every night is getting to bed at, is finally falling asleep at 11 and waking up at seven, now we're at eight hours sleep. We'd rather, as I think this mom is saying, we'd rather have a seven, seven year old get more than eight hours sleep. We'd like nine hours sleep. Then there's another, but, but I'm saying there's good news if this child is 10 to eight. Uh, another factor is the sleepwalking. To, uh, I'm not an expert on sleepwalking, so this family, if this continues and they're worried, should absolutely go to the pediatrician and see a specialist because I'm, I'm not an expert in sleepwalking. But uh, I, I can say that the sleepwalking can affect the sleep in some kids, like can affect the REM sleep in some kids. So even if the child's getting 10 hours, it is possible that the sleepwalking is affecting and deleting some of that useful REM um, the way the family would know that is what happens with the child the next day. So is the child very functional? Is the child not, you know, falling asleep during the day, um, et cetera? If so, then then probably lack of sleep isn't an issue because you would probably see it. But if they have any fear, definitely see the pediatrician on that. So in terms of the falling asleep, I have some practical ideas, but let me hold off. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. What do you think about what I said so yeah, far? Yeah, I, you know, you, you already covered right there at the end some of the things that uh, were, were in my mind. I, I've been a guy who... Uh, from time to time had some insomnia and found that uh, the more I just laid in bed and tried to fall asleep, the less sleep I got. I would just get frustrated and um, was wondering if maybe, and this might come in your strategies, if there is some wisdom to, if, if her pattern is to fall asleep at 10, 11 at night, to not make her go to bed at eight. And um, maybe that's making her frustrated. You can speak to that. And then I was, I, the sleepwalking was the one that got me as well. And um, what I'm not, I know nothing about sleepwalking, but I'm guessing it's not the healthiest way uh, to spend the night. So uh, we would want to really encourage her, as you did, uh, to get uh, somebody who understands what that's about. Uh, so yeah, I think that you covered, uh, things very, very well. And, uh, I'm guessing this family and those who maybe have similar issues getting their kids to fall asleep at night are, are waiting. All right. What's the strategy? Oh, what are the strategies? Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. Yeah. I, you know, the, uh, it was on my list and you said it beautifully. That's one of the strategies is her genetics are set up maybe for this. And so maybe she doesn't go to bed at eight. And, and one of the ways to measure this is to 
is to think about the parents or aunts, uncles, grandparents. Think about these genetic lines. If this is not an adopted child, a biological, then you know the other people. And, and look at those genetics and try to remember who had an insomnia or maybe one of the two parents has it. Who, who took a long time? Was it my brother? Was it your sister? Um, you know, this is a, among the adults talking. Because that person you know, some of those genes have gotten into this child and and that person is going to be an asset for strategies. So um, just keep that in mind. Two things. One is it's probably there's some genes to this. That person probably sleepwalked um, and and those parents dealt with that. And there are going to be some strategies that are going to just come organically in the family system because of these genes. Um, and I think, yeah, one of the strategies may well be to um, let this child read like from eight to nine or read from nine to 10, um, you know, not, not to do busy work. That's going to keep the brain awake, but just to read something um, that's easy and kind of gravitate towards sleep um, and stay awake a little longer than the other kids. And along that, another side of that coin is if they, if they have the child going to bed before the child's brain is ready, uh, there are a few things they can do. One, uh, that child can start out in their bed if that fits, if they go to bed at nine, let's say. I, I don't know, but if that fits, start out in their bed. Or the child can start out on a couch or in the guest room or something like that and then move to the bed. And the logic of this has to do with insomnia. Um, uh, when the bed becomes a a burdensome place, a psychologically difficult place, because the child is always put in bed and fails to fall asleep and then gets agitated and anxious, then the bed is associated with that. And um, so with insomnia, some of what we like to do is get people to fall asleep somewhere else uh, and to work on their brain somewhere else, right? So they associate the failure with the couch and then they move to the bed and by then they're falling asleep and they're happy or the parent lifts the child up and takes the child to bed and not associating the bed with this agitation D did i make sense there before i go on yeah in in fact uh, it's kind of funny i had the opposite uh in the days when i was struggling with some insomnia because i didn't want to keep jan up i would start in bed and if i couldn't fall asleep i'd go to the couch and i knew once i got to the couch i was going to fall asleep just fine so the couch became my safe place, I guess, uh, for yeah. lack of a better term. And what, what you're saying is you right. want to help that daughter, wherever it is, but hopefully her bed eventually, to discover that safe place to fall asleep. Yeah, it's where she won't, because she won't, she won't associate that place, she won't associate her bed anymore with all this agitation and anxiety. Right. Because as she fails to fall asleep, she's got all the agitation and anxiety that's that's builds and then that makes it so that um you know it's it's more difficult for her to fall asleep because now she's processing the fact that she's not falling asleep and um so that's a strategy and then um and and then some things parents can do to help is they can let's say they have changed the time to nine let's just say they decide to do this to experiment and by the way all of us as parents should experiment like we're making this suggestion of maybe not putting her to sleep till eight I'm, I'm sorry, at eight and doing it at nine, experiment with that. You may end up finding that 8.30 works or 9.30 works, you know? So definitely experiment. There's no way for us to know the exact right time, but I'm gonna use nine. Let's say we say nine. So from 8.30 to nine, um, uh, 
may be good to do some checking in about the day, some processing, verbal processing, allow her to verbally process. And this could be 8.45 to 9. So that the stuff that is looping in her head, it doesn't have to loop because she's going to process it with us. And so she doesn't have to think anymore about her friend, Janie, and what happened with Janie. She's processed it, right, with us. And uh, that takes that can bring some relief. Also, meditation and teacher meditation and, um, uh, you know, one of the benefits of the old rituals, if people are religious, where kids prayed before bed, mm -hmm. you know, they got on their knees and they prayed before bed. One of the advantages of that is it was a ritual and it told the brain, uh, uh, not only do I feel good now because I have made contact with God, but also it's a ritual that announces to me that I'm going to go to sleep now. Yep. And so then I go to sleep. So those sorts of rituals are good. And you can do that with meditation, with prayer. You can do it with nature sounds or all of the above, you know, um, putting nature sounds on CD or in the uh, iPod. And uh, those things release some negative ions that can help. And um, and then the reading can help. And uh, I'm looking on my list yeah, those were all the practical strategies I had on my list. All right, so you you couple uh, you you teased it a couple of those um, like background noise, white noise. Uh, might that be helpful? Yeah, yeah. If if white noise machines work for this child, uh, some of those sounds will be nature sounds um, on those machines. And and if, yeah, good point. If the nature sounds don't work, then go for um, that kind of background noise that's really mm -hmm. sort of like a waterfall or a fan mm -hmm. um, and and try that I mean this definitely want to try these things um yeah I'm, I'm thinking about again uh, my life was very different than a seven-year-old girl but um, some of the things that I would do and learned about insomnia and and you mentioned the ritual of, of uh, bedtime rituals uh, you always do the same thing every night you you uh, brush your teeth. You do you know all those things that tell your brain it's time to to get ready for bed. But there are also some things that you can do as you are trying to fall asleep that can be ritualized. And we used to talk about counting sheep. Yep. Um, and um, uh, there are a lot of different ways to metaphorically count sheep as you're going to sleep uh, to just get yourself your brain to slowly just wind down. Uh, any suggestions on that? Yeah. That give give her rituals you know some some of this all comes under the category of what we call sleep hygiene like mm. what you were talking about with ritualizing it doing the same thing every night mm -hmm. and then in the morning waking up at the same time yes. every morning and that's sleep hygiene so um so if the parents want to teach her and it maybe ask her what she likes i'll give an example from my life i battled like you insomnia on and off for decades and um, when I first did the sleep scan 25 years ago or something, the sleep doctor said, uh, sing, sing a song, find a, you know, a song that, that you sing. And just as, as your heart is racing because you're lying there and you're thinking about the day and not falling asleep, uh, go to the song and it, you know, then you, you'll veer away from it, but then go back to it. So the song for me was amazing grace, which we might find funny because I'm Jewish, but you know me, I'm sort of, I like, I like everything. So uh, the song that came to me organically was Amazing Grace. So whenever I, and to this day, I mean, we're more than two decades later, when I am having trouble falling asleep, um, I revert to Amazing Grace. And so I kind of sing it or hum it in my head. And that's part of my sleep hygiene. So it's a ritual. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My God. 
Hey, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. So, you know, she may have a song, and we don't want that song to be a really pop, well, maybe. I mean, I don't know, maybe a pop Beyonce song. We love Beyonce, but, you know, we don't want something really agitating or really uh, electric. We want something calmer, some song that's calmer. That's what I would suggest. But Mm -hmm. whatever works for her, it needs to be organic to her, and then she sort of sings it to herself. Um, And before that, Brush her teeth at the same time. You, you've hinted at this. Brush your teeth at the same time. Have these have these conversations. Uh, let's say they ins- they institute this check in conversation where they process the day with her. Have them at, have that happen eight forty five every night if possible. All of that stuff happens in rituals, and um, and then very important if she is ending up with insomnia. Very important she wakes up at the same time every morning. Uh, if these folks take their child to a sleep doc, that's one of the first things that sleep doc will probably say. So uh, they say she gets up between seven and eight. That sleep doc may say, let's try her getting up every morning at seven mm-hmm. or every morning at 7.30 or eight. And that's part of sleep hygiene. So explore all that. And folks can go on to Google and learn more about sleep hygiene. Uh, wondering about... Um going for a walk at night uh, there's always pros and cons about exercising before bed Um, and they don't really say anything here about physical activity that's also very important for sleep hygiene yeah yeah i'm assuming a seven-year-old because she said is so electric and energetic i'm assuming she's getting a lot of exercise but i'm glad you brought that up because um, uh, maybe for her and especially for another child who is not getting a lot of exercise during the day, that can be part of it, um, of the sleep issues later. Not all of it, but part of it. So, so yes, that's a really good strategy. Probably not running, probably not treadmill, probably not playing soccer at 8 p.m. Um, you probably want something more like walking, quiet nature time, some walking, um, and, and better, well, not better, nature time walking at night is great. And um, let's make sure a seven-year-old is getting it seven-year-old is getting at least two hours of energetic exercise during the day. And and that is same for now if people are still fighting COVID and they feel locked in. Uh, outdoors is fine. And so, you know, two hours outdoors is still very important. Two hours of exercise a day. Uh, heck, I'd love to see a seven-year-old get more. But, right. but let's look at two hours for sure. And that should help some with the sleep. I think what's important, uh, one of the things that I learned was that this is all about building deposits in the bank and uh, all of these things together, the good diet that they mentioned, uh, rituals at night, getting up the same time in the morning, getting exercise, all those things um, may not cure it overnight, but you are putting deposits in the bank. You're building new habits that will eventually pay off uh, down the line. And uh, speaking of diet, there are there are foods that calm the brain that may be helpful to eat at night or consume at night. Yeah, what are you thinking of? Uh, like piece of turkey, glass of milk that has the tryptophan. Yep, yep. And yeah, uh, 
some of those things can be helpful at night. Um, and, uh, you know, they may, they may want to see a, a, a dietitian or a homeopathic person. Um, I, I like the idea when you talked about a sleep doctor where you just, you know, especially with the sleepwalking issue, again, we're not here to raise alarms or anything, but it just sounds like that's a, a, a sleep interrupter that a, a specialist would want to look at. Uh, there are probably some great resources. I think this person, if I'm reading the letter right, is uh, in Spokane. And um, there, you have a great walking area. I don't know where they live. Spokane's a big place. But that uh, uh, walking area down by the hotels and by the river and stuff, yeah. boy, if you're going to go for a walk, go there. Yeah, right along the river. It's so yep. wonderful. Negative ions there. And by the way, for people who don't know, negative ions really are positive. We like negative ions. Yeah. They're good for the brain. Uh, yeah, yeah, I like you bringing up food. I think I think that you know there there's different schools of thought on this. Like some some people will, and this is mainly adults. They'll say, well, I I get up, or I at ten o'clock eat a sandwich, and mm-hmm. that helps me sleep. Yeah, and and it may it can help anyone's you know could help. Um, I think where we would start with with a child like this is we would you know not be feeding the child. Number one, we wouldn't feed the child any food the child's allergic to. And that isn't mentioned here, but it's possible there's an allergy to gluten or some something with this child. So we, of course, wouldn't feed that to the child before bed. And then we wouldn't feed something that's going to speed the child up, like sugar. Right. But Caffeine. if milk works or turkey works, mm-hmm. that's a great thing to experiment with and see how food would work. And, and yeah, I think it'd be a wonderful idea to go to a nutritionist to see if they've had some experience with sleep. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we really appreciate the question, and um, I, I think even if your children don't have sleep issues, all of the things that Michael talked about are really important to, to build good sleep habits, um, because all kids are going to have their, their, their challenging moments. Um, it might be a test coming up. Uh, it might be a big date coming up. Who knows what it is that just creates a little anxiety or issues with friends. And all of these habits built up over the course of time uh, will help our children get the sleep they need. And and we know that we have a sleep crisis in the United States of America. I don't know mm-hmm. how much it impacts our children, but I know our adults are really impacted by it these days. We're not getting enough sleep. Yeah, adults and teens, for sure, in terms of a crisis. Uh, it hasn't hit the little kids yet, but it's going to. Uh, we are not getting enough sleep. There's no doubt about it. So the earlier we build in good sleep habits, the better for them. So, uh, Michael, as always, thank you very, very much for your insights and uh, for the uh, the person who the listener who wrote in the question. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you do have questions that you'd like for us to tackle, uh, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. There's a submission form there, also resources there. And I want to remind you to check out helpingboysthrive.org, helpingboysthrive.org for our Big Boys Summit coming up here in October. And next week, we've got another great question. Uh, and again, it's about a girl. So two in a row. That's fantastic. Michael, thanks again. Awesome. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back with you for episode number 106 next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.